And that's our vocal warm up done for this week. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, getting the pipes greased. I do love a good open chamber. Um, <laughs> boys and girls, one and all, Kalukale, good day. It is I, Christoph. Oh, God, that hurt, Johnson. <laughs> and I, Matthew, the true heir of King Arthur Watson. <laughs> and you're listening to Big Damn Cast, geeky gossip, nerdy news, and just general bullshit nattering, because we're all going to oh. die one day, so let's do it in the meanwhile. All that stuff. You know what I did yesterday, Cocker? It's Easter Sunday as we're recording this. Yes, it you know is. So, so all, you know that massive parents. news story that came out like in the last three days, ladies yeah. and gentlemen? Well, we didn't see, we're, we're well, not talking about it. When, <laughs> when the folks will be hearing this, Avengers Endgame will be out. Yeah. And we'll have probably seen it by the time that this people are hearing this. But we won't be talking about it till next week. In all of its spoilerific glory. But until yes. then, bigger turds to fry. Uh, what, know, were, in, what were you doing, Cockle? <laughs> you know, I did yesterday. I went, I went over to my, to my old man's. And we always watch a bunch of shit when I'm over there. But I, I, I watched the Macra Terror. Oh, the, the remake, the, the animation. I watched the Macra Terror. Mm-hmm. Not, I, didn't, I did not think I would spend an afternoon over at my dad's getting pished. And watching the Macra Terror. <laughs> but I did. What sort and of experience was, was it? Pretty good. <laughs> that good. And huh? then we went on to Now TV and we watched Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage and Salma Blair. Oh, we talked about <laughs> this ages ago. Rather good, obviously. Because it's Nicolas Cage and Salma Blair cutting loose. So essentially, someone said, look, in this movie, you're a murderous parental unit and go. Everyone's a murderous parental unit. Yes, it's like a plague or something. Yeah, it's like some kind of signal to makes all <clears throat> parents want to kill their children. Oh, as you do. As you do. And it's, you know, it's great. <laughs> as one does. It's, it's it's really great. Um that's what I did yesterday. What have you been doing recently, Cocker? I've been I've been following the Elbrick road for so long. Yeah. I think I might be walking in the wrong direction because I, I never never get anywhere. <laughs> um <laughs> Like you know, you, you think you found the Emerald City, and then you walk in it again three hours later. Uh, yeah, what I've been, um, are you going to ask the wizard for? Uh, I'm going to ask the wizard for a new pair of Air Nikes. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. Um, I don't have any comfortable footwear. Well, that's not a, a thing that involves learning about yourself. I don't care. Give me shoes. <laughs> Give me shoes, want... or I'll expose you for being the tiny man you are. I want material goods only, wizard man. <laughs> Bring me meat and bring me mead. <laughs> or I shall expose you in the Emerald City equivalent of OK Magazine. I shall, ex- I shall expose myself <clears throat> to b- before your people. Ah. They shall see my munchkins. Um, well, let's let's talk about exposing. Um, oh. <laughs> where the fuck is this segue going? Things, things we've been exposed to this past week that we have to talk about. Ah, nice. The Child's Play trailer. Aye. The, the full official Chibos trailer, and also Star Wars Celebration happened, and all the news came out of it. Like, this huge torrent of... This huge news clot <laughs> was removed oh. from the uh, cyst that is Star Wars Celebration. Oh, that's unpleasant. Um, that was a strange <laughs> metaphor, but I'm going to lean into it. Um, so we're going to dig into all that stuff before we... Um, we dine on shit. Dine <laughs> on uh, the recent um, Hellboy reboot. And I would say go and see it 
uh, before we dip into spoilers, but I don't think anyone else has, so you should be fine. Um... <laughs> well, also, like, if you want the spoiler-free opinion of it, you did a wonderful video of it on the YouTube channel. Everyone go check it out. Why, thanks. Thanks, thanks, Cocker. But um, if you... Uh, I, I, You know, I recommend that for the first time ever, boys and girls, I recommend if you've not seen it, unless you are dying to, don't bother, stick around... Yeah. We have things to talk we'll... about in relation to that film. <laughs> we'll tell you all the good bits. Um, it won't take long. Uh, so... Check the time codes. It's 30 seconds long. So, Child's Play. Yes. The, uh, they the do. New, the new one. The new <laughs> remake with Buddy. The Buddy, the tech doll. Um, <clears throat> the, tra- the full trailer came out. And it... we have our first look at what that movie's... We have a better look at what that movie's going to be. Um, and as the as the child play resident child's play expert, tell me how you feel. <laughs> tell tell me, me how you feel, Chris. Tell me, Don Miguel. Um, tell me of El Diablo. Uh, I still have a cloud above my head. I can't quite shake in the form of um, sort of uh, the the machine that is the child's play in the Chucky franchise being kind of usurped by this film in a way yeah because yeah. I, I i think they're doing amazing work with the ongoing series and i really hope that this film's existence doesn't jeopardize the tv series which is the next step for the main franchise yeah yeah, yeah. um but as a comic book fan i i am always interested in reinterpretations and and alternate takes on classic set uh, set settings and characters so i uh, as long as they're done well you know yeah i'm, I'm gonna see this movie I may feel dirty for seeing it, but I am I am curious about this film. I mean, we're, we're <clears> going to have to see it anyway so we can podcast about it. Yeah, well, true, but, I suppose. <laughs> oh, darn it. But we, um, but we won't yeah. like it unless we do. Um, I don't think I'm going to feel dirty about seeing it. I'm intrigued. This new but, trailer is intriguing. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going down the voodoo route. Again, might be a misleading thing. It might just be hidden for the film, but... It, okay, pros sentient ai that taps into everything around you is yeah is something that could work very well especially in an age of paranoia where we're all becoming more increasingly aware of when our phone starts advertising stuff to us we spoke about in recent conversations and things like that like that's weird that is like you know voyeurism and, and and being spied on and everything has been done before but this is sort of directly tapping into that idea that oh all of this stuff it's interconnected and it's mm. thinking independently of what you ask it to do. So that's a nice and scary sort of thought. Um, yeah. You know, Terminator re- repackaged for a new generation to a degree. Pulse. The 1980s. Yeah, Pulse. Scene, oh cult classic. Yeah. Pulse. <laughs> good, cult classic. Good pull. Good pull. Uh, good pulse. Um, uh, so that's fine. I'm excited by that. Um, good cast. Yeah. But I... Uh, they're really leaning on from the producers of It. So much so that the thing that this trailer screamed to me simply was, this is going to be It, but with technology. Well, that's what they have... That's what they... That's just what the marketing has to be, I think. Oh, no, but I mean right down to it being a gang of teenage kids that are going to deal with the monster themselves and the parents don't believe them. Hmm. And I think that's too... I think that's skirting too close to to, yeah. to it. Um, yeah, I hadn't of, thought of that, actually. I hadn't thought of the way in which 
that connection would play directly into yeah. the actual narrative of the film. I just figured it was going to be, it's the marketing thing because that's the, mm. I, that's it, the I mean, most it, it's not, recognizable it's, thing they can play on. It's because, not necessarily a response to the 2017 film it itself. It's more a response to Stranger Things and the resurgence of 80s um, yes, kids going yes. on adventures media in the last few years. So it's oh, but, on, a, on a slight tangent, did you see that? Um, the Duffer Brothers are be- and Netflix are being sued for stealing the idea for Stranger Things. Oh, God, from who? Uh, basically, there was three people, the Duffer Brothers and this one other guy who pitched the idea oh, to Netflix. Ah. But Netflix only ended up working with the Duffer Brothers. So this other guy's taken into court. You know, they could have avoided that completely had they just simply given him a small buyout fee to say, thank you for your time and everything. And credited him in the credits as based on ideas by blah blah blah. But, like that, that no. they could have avoided so much trouble, but they were so greedy as an entity that they didn't once think maybe we should give some credit to the dude who was a quarter of this brainstorm. That's so yeah. shitty. Oh, I can't. So, I kind of hope he wins. Well, if he does win, they have to destroy everything related to the production. Really? Yeah. What? Like everything going forward? He's not, or... he's not going after credit. He's going after the destruction of the of the franchise. Okay, that's unreasonable, uh, especially as is his end game. Because all that will make him is the dude who got rid of a show everyone loves. Hey, just saying. Instead of, oh, he's the co- like, he. Sh- he should be going for the Bill Finger thing. Do you know what I mean? Of like this is guy is also responsible for this thing we love. Mm-hmm. Not. This guy destroyed the thing we love because he doesn't want us to have nice things. That's really stupid. Okay. I don't want him to win. I also burped. Yeah, also, it's a weird one. I'm also, it's, it's, it's worth looking into. We might, might look into it and talk about it another day. I'm also, I'm also drinking. Especially when Stranger Things 3 comes around. <laughs> I'm also drinking at 3 in the afternoon, so that's a strange oh, thing. Oh, good. Good. Um, um, but yes. Uh, Charles it's, it's, <laughs> it's coming off the back of the resurgence in 80s. Yeah. Interesting 80s stuff and Stranger Things and... That, and that's also what they're leading into. It's it's, 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 it's a little it's too, also, it's a little too close to be, for me. There does seem to be more of a of a thing in marketing now to be from the producers of. Like yeah, that's yeah. become a thing that people have started to follow. Um, which you know, for better or worse, because some producers have little to no influence on the work that is made under their name, and some producers have way too much. But that's something we'll probably get into later. Um, but yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it's an interesting looking movie. I think it looks like they're definitely going to play with the idea of that interconnectivity and mm. well, the, sort of... the Kazlan promo video just started to go like that stuff's yeah, really yeah. freaky and and again just the, the, the glimpses of these almost sort of DIY death traps that seem yeah. to be part of it are, are really unnerving. Like that stuff's really creepy. A bit of, a bit of small soldiers in there. Yeah, of, uh... yeah. You put military grade chips in toys, yeah. um, but like you know, and, like um, the Kazlan cars and things like that. Like it's yeah. you know, this doll is extending its reach. As for why it's doing this, I guess we'll find out. As yeah. as for why it sounds like a, a dude in his fifties, sixties, <laughs> I guess we'll find out. But uh, one thing I will say: there's one Debbie Downer that I'm vibing right now. What's your Debbie Downer? I What's your Debbie Downer? Really don't like the look of Chucky. Now that we can, just now that we're seeing him, face. yeah, it just kind of, it. I think it's more that it looks, it looks more like a CGI creation. I know it's a practical effect, but that clean, you know, kind of, it, it, almost illustration 
like visage. It's too clean. Yeah, it's not based yeah. on anything. Like it, it's know, it's, der- it's derivative that. of the good guy doll from the original, which in itself only worked culturally uh, as something people recognised because it was derivative of the Cabbage Patch Kids, the um, the yeah. My Buddy, um, you know those kind of toys from the era. So it's um it, it's sort of I a shame. Would... It's like it's like they've they've tried to strip. It's it's like Freddy in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Like yeah. well, he was a burn victim, so let's give him realistic burn victim burns. You're like I'm if gone. I were the person in charge of this remake, I would have made it clear. And in this might be the case in the movie, I don't know, but that this is like a, a nostalgia fueled modern update of an old eighties toy. Yeah, given the iPod treatment. Yeah. Absolutely, but then, yeah. but then I suppose the point then would be, well, why not just watch the original or set it in the eighties? Oh, like, because yeah, nostalgia. Yeah, but you um, make that part of the plot. True, true. Uh, I'll say, I'll say this for now. One thing I am excited about though is the score. The yes. composer has been talking about that they used a toy orchestra, <laughs> so the majority of the instruments are instruments children could buy from the 80s onwards that were like toy like fisher price instruments and things like that that's quite cool which is very reminiscent of the more modern chucky films the the ongoing theme the the the, the sort of theme for the films that also um, i think it brings up an interesting opportunity for dissonance yes in terms of visuals and sound yeah so I'm, i'm game for that i don't know but we'll we'll find out when we watch uh that in a double bill with another film with evil dummies in it when Child's Play and Toy Story 4 hit cinemas on the same day. Oh, that's going to be an interesting day. Yeah, that's going to be bloody weird. <laughs> I mean, Child's Play, Child's Play is going to be buried. It's going to be absolutely buried. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Too right. as a result of their cockiness, but you know. Yeah. Eh, yeah, I don't it's know. going down. Um I hope I enjoy it. <laughs> something that isn't going to be buried. Although it will be going for a quick rest. It's Star Wars. Aye. Currently no we, immediate plans for a big movie, as sort no, of confirmed. After, after episode nine, the movie franchise is taking a bit of a rest. I'm game for that. Um, I'm, I'm definitely game for that. However, they are gearing up their TV projects. Um, oh, hell which yeah. we've, now, we've now seen a little bit of. Yes, it was Star Wars Celebration recently, and we have... Details and footage from The Mandalorian, which will be launching on Disney Plus as their live-action um, Bounty Hunter series set after Return of the Jedi. Um, we've got so we've got the, the title and the first trailer for Episode Nine. Uh, we've got a new video game coming from Electronic Arts finally, and we've got some more stuff from the Clone Wars uh, TV show revival. So it's been a big, um, a big old weekend. So uh, damn in the world much. of Star Wars. Um, let's let's save the um, the episode nine stuff for last, and we'll we'll run through uh, other stuff quickly. So the stuff that we're less um, focused on is, of course, the. Um, uh, the the Clone Wars TV stuff. Clone Wars is getting another season to help bridge the gap between Clone Wars and Rebels. Ashoka's going to fight Darth Maul. Cool. All right. Fine. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, Matt's really excited, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the animated stuff's not my bag, but it's it's interesting. Um, it's just it's just more Darth Maul. I think they're using that to yeah. bridge that gap that they clearly wanted to deal with in the films, but have obviously well, no, decided that would, to that not would do. Be between, that would be between uh, 
Oh no, yeah, no, that would be between Clone Wars and Rebels. You're right. You're talk, talking nonsense. Um, <laughs> it's all right. So, so the people who put together that rushed bit in Solo. Hey, hey. No, I recently what? found out Peter Serafinovich recorded his lines for that. Yeah, they got him he in. He only found out at the premiere that you didn't. They didn't use it. Yeah, because he didn't get invited to the premiere, mm. and they realised they hadn't invited him, and they sent him a message to be like, "Hi, um, so it's someone else in it now. Bye, sorry." It wasn't even like the production. It was like one of the people on the production team who's a mate of his. Yeah, mental. Was, like, mental. Give him a heads up. That's that's poor. Very poor. That's the second time um, Star Wars has shot on him. Yes, because he didn't get invited to the premiere of Phantom Menace either. Yeah. And I think he has some of his Phantom Menace stuff cut as well. So he only really has one line in it, doesn't it? At last we'll reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At yes. last we'll have our revenge. No! I, think, I feel like there might have been more stuff in there, but they got cut. Anyway, um, so yeah. New Rebel... New... Um, Clone Wars, to bridge that New game. Clone Wars stuff. Uh, new video game. Again, bridging that same gap. It's post-purge... Oh no, no, not the same gap, it's a little later. It's post-purge, you are a Jedi Padawan survivor. So, a bit like, um, what's his name in Rebels? Uh, what's uh, he called? Oh god, thingy-majig with his face and yeah. his neck. Yeah, yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. That's the um, one. But, um, Blaze McComfort what's he bold two-in-one non-bio. Um, he's some the last the last Padawan, was he? Well, but he's not, clearly, because there's a Padawan in this. Um... Yeah, EA are doing a single-player story-based Star Wars, developed by Respawn, previously known for Titanfall, Titanfall 2, and Apex Legends. Um, so that's a weird switch. It is an odd one. It, so much of the promo for this game has been, no loot boxes, no no microtransactions, it's single-player, it's story-focused. It's like, okay, what about the uh, the Visual Games game? Yeah. What about that studio that you shut down? Oh, you God. Bellens. But yeah, it's supposed to be a... Just wrestle it for me, A, at this point, please. Yeah. Uh, Come on, Disney. <laughs> they described it as a thoughtful combat action game. So people have taken that as it might be a bit Dark Souls, Bloodborne-y. Um, with a, yeah, a, a Jedi Padawan who is in hiding, uh, trying to keep a low profile and just survive... Amongst the uh, the newly risen Imperial, um, what do you call it? Imperial regime. regime over the galaxy. But it looks like he's going to be forced to reveal his powers and then go on the run. And maybe, and there's an Inquisitor in it and probably Darth Vader as well. Because um, the Inquisitors are something that was introduced in Rebels and have popped up in other... Um, other media since basically Darth Vader's uh, Jedi Hunters mm. um, most prominently in the um, turned up most prominently in the Rebels TV show oh I um, I recall that Kanan that's what he's called Kanan that's what the one in Rebels is called not the one in this I don't know what the one in this is called something Banan it's um, Cameron Monaghan's playing him oh oh cool um, oh right. good for him Yes. Good for him. That's that's fun. And his terrible joker. Good for him. It might be a pretty uh, a pretty good game, maybe. And also there's a Vader Immortal VR thing, but it's VR, so... Sure? 
whatever. Um, <laughs> Summon something VR, something something Lord Vader, something something Lord Execute Vader. Order 66. Execute Order 66. Roll it again! Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's happening. So, I guess I'm probably going to get Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if they've officially released it. I managed to find um, an off-screen recording of it, but there was a behind-the-scenes featurette for, and also like a like a seven-minute chunk of the first episode of the Mandalorian. I have show. not seen this. Tell me, at... Don Miguel. Oh, so um... sorry. Tell me, Boba Miguel. <laughs> Boba Miguel. Uh, so. <laughs> The Mandalorian is set five years after Return of the Jedi, and it's in the Outer Rim on the frontiers. Um, it is there is a Mandalorian, um, a bounty hunter played by Pedro uh, Pascal, the titular Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Um, Mandalorian man. Yes, Delorean. What's his name? I'm trying to find a name for him. Um, and he's basically just eking out a living as a as a bounty hunter on the on the frontiers. Things are all in flux because it's only five years after Jedi, so the the New Republic hasn't quite taken hold. Uh, the um, the uh, Empire is still knocking around in certain parts of the galaxy, uh, and then uh, so the footage we see in the. Um, in the, the footage we saw that was shown is so there's uh, the Mandalorian is meeting with uh, Grief Marga, played by Carl Weathers, who is the head of uh, the chapter of a bounty hunters guild in the uh, in the area, and he's you know trying to find a decent a decent bounty, but you know things are thin on the ground because money's up and down because we don't know what's going on government wise. And then uh, he gets let in on a, you know, I've got this one really weird job um, that might, you know, maybe that's a bit under the table. <laughs> Goes and meets Werner Herzog. <laughs> um, and he's got... Not playing a character. He's just Werner no, Herzog. It's just, just Werner Herzog. Uh, he, he was great in this. Um, I have... Sat here for several days, thinking about I, whether yeah. a stormtrooper and a bear could ever be lovers. I hear you are the best in the parsec. <laughs> Actual dialogue. Oh God! Even if you are expensive, lower your blaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's gr- the, the footage is great. It looks like a fucking great show. Is this the John Favreau directed um, season opener? I'm presuming. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit because he's, he's show running it, isn't he? And direct- has directed a chunk of it. Uh, 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 John Favreau. Oh yes, John Favreau is. And uh, uh, there's directors like he, Taika Waititi are involved. Taika Waititi's and... done some, some on it. Bryce Dallas Howard has done some on it. Oh, that'd be good. Um, She's a good director. So yeah, it's it's been a real. Let's just get everyone we can to do some of this thing and it'd be really cool. They're basically uh, basically throwing everything they can at this to make make it a success. Um, Gina Carano's in it. She's um, an ex-rebel shock trooper. 
and uh, so then she but obviously the war's over so what's she gonna do with herself uh there's still stormtroopers running around uh there is um so this bounty that that Werner Herzog is putting this guy up to is like you've got to retrieve this person or kill them and bring back a body for less money but all the data and stuff is 50 years old so this this person's been in hiding for a while and you've got to go get him and but yeah and it, and there's a bit of a trailer for it as well which shows some other footage from later in the series with a voiceover from Herzog that is sort of implying that it's going to have quite a political slant to it okay that, like what what like the the rebels now the new republic have taken down the empire but now this uh that period of peace has just given way to chaos and what's going on now and maybe we were better under the empire and all that kind of thing um it looks really good like the the footage it looks i mean not just in like oh that looks like something i'd like to watch it looks like they've spent some serious fucking money on this um and yeah i'm i'm jazzed for it <laughs> i'm jazzed I, I think it's gonna be great. It looks like a, a true, a true space western. Um, a western on the frontier, and and it's you know something. With the, I think we can be fairly confident it's not gonna get into fucking Skywalkers and Han Solos and all that business. It's just in the Star Wars universe, on the edge of it. Cool things can happen. I'm down for that. Uh, are you down a clown? I'm so down. So down for the Mandalorian, um, so yeah, I guess I guess I'm getting Disney Plus. They also talked a bit about Disney Plus, uh, you know, in a wider sense. I think they've said it's going to be when it launches, it'll be 500 films and around seven and a half thousand episodes of TV. Bloody hell! I mean, and it's, che- and it's cheaper than Netflix. That's true. Well, I hope the price does translate over here. I think it's like five ninety nine a month. Oh, good lord! Dollars. Oh, good lord! Um, oh, good so, god! Yeah, we'll never have to leave the house again. D- Disney are going hard on this. They really are. I suppose when you've got all that stuff, like, yeah. what have you got to lose? Yeah, quite. Oh my god! So and Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars, and the MCU are front and center with the "Hey, come along and subscribe to us, motherfuckers" content. So yes, because we've got Loki. Um, one division, uh, weird uh, name, but fair enough. Yes, uh, um, the Falcon and Fal- Falcon the Winter, and Winter Soldier. Soldier again, weird name, but fair enough. Yeah, whatever. A Hawkeye uh, show, which I don't think they've confirmed yet, but it's it's no, being talked the about. The rumor is it's um, Clint Barton handed over to Kate Bishop, which so. would be amazing, especially if they go full fraction. Yes, which uh, they they can't do because well, they can't do it totally because of the family situation of. Hawkeye in the MCU, but then that might not be quite the same coming out of Endgame. We don't know. Yeah. We'll know as long as, we'll as, as, long as they this. as long as they take Inspo from it and have at least one yes. moment where he avoids gunfire, leaping naked out of bed, and yeah. a tiny little Hawkeye face covers his junk. <laughs> or you know, have the immortal line: "I'm great at boats." <laughs> oh God, yeah. And other and other and other things beside that fraction series is really good. Um. Yes, so Disney Plus is happening, Star Wars at the forefront, but the big one, the one we all came for, was, of course, the Star Wars Episode Nine 
panel and trailer reveal and title announcement and all that business. Star Wars Episode Nine, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker. Come again, the Rise of Skywalker, the Skies of Rywalker. Um, very odd title. It is you know why? I don't think it's odd because it's an odd sentence per se. It's just the cadence of it is really weird. Yeah, it's an. It's just it feels a little clunky, doesn't it? But I, I imagine, I'd wager... It was a little clunky in, in the mouth. Well, in 1980, I'd imagine that The Empire Strikes Back kind of felt that way. Um, I don't know. It does roll off the tongue in a quiet... But we did, we did grow up in an Empire world, so we maybe that's why. We did grow up in a post-Empire hellscape. Uh, post-Empire hellscape. Empire Strikes Back is still the best Star Wars movie. Oh, hands down. Hands it's just, down. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah, Han is down <laughs> at the end of that. That's very true. Meat. Um, Bruni gets back up again. They are never going to keep him to... Oh, and now he's well, been stabbed well. on a space bridge. <laughs> should we talk, and should then we the talk? planet exploded. Oh, God. Should we talk the trailer first? Uh, yeah, I guess, well, there's not much else to talk about with the trailer because the panel was like just Stephen Colbert asking the cast questions that they couldn't fucking answer. Oh, and, you God. know, it's, it's nice to see all those folks bantering on stage, especially, um, oh, what's her name, Naomi Yaki? The lady with the fantastic hair. Uh, yes, who's yeah. playing Janna. Uh, what is her name? What is her name? What is her name? Whose who's, who's costume colour scheme has got the internet debating whether or not she's the child of Lando Calrissian. Yeah, Calrissian. Um, yes. Um, not, and not just because she's uh, the only other um, black lead in the film yeah. uh, who's new to the cast. And also because Disney do tend to have a tradition of the sequel's about their kids. Yes. Um, um, oh, God. Which I, the, the one thing I don't think they're doing is I don't think they're going to be turning around and going, oh, Ray was a Skywalker all along. I hope not. I hope her parents, I really are, hope... I hope her parents are still no one special. Well, like, that's so kind of what... part of the charm of her is that the Force has clearly picked her for a reason. There's been some stuff going around, like, go back to episode seven and listen to her talking to Maz Kanata after she has a Force vision. Mm. And Maz is all like, y- you know the answers already and you know that you know, what, you're looking for a family, but it's not, it's ahead of you, mm. not behind you. So, so again, this is like, your family. this is your there family. There is no family waiting for you. Yeah. Because they're gone. They're done. Um, they dared slash hookers somewhere, yeah. absolutely zoned out on death sticks. So, you know, it doesn't and matter. I, I, you didn't want to sell them the death sticks. No. You wanted to go, home, wanted to go and re- home and rethink your my life. <laughs> But it was just too late. Um, so yeah, it's... I don't think they're doing that. Um, what they are doing, from the looks of it, is making Ray into an awesome badass ninja who does backflips over tie interceptors. As one does. Oh, that opening part is so cool it's incredible isn't it it's so it, cool and just how how they let that shot linger as well, well. they've also people have been pointing out that they, it's it's a visual homage to north by north by northwest oh shit of course apart from yeah. obviously the flip well, the well i don't know the, uh, I, I i i can't remember how sober i was watching that but i'm pretty sure he, i'm pretty sure he backflipped over that um that well, yeah. <laughs> well the way it's framed with the um with the tie fighter coming in over her shoulder as she as she runs into the camera, yeah, is a is a visual homage certainly. 
Um, one thing they did get, we did, they did say on the panel is that there's definitely been a some time passed since the Last Jedi. It doesn't pick up from the um, from exactly at the end like Last Jedi did for Force Awakens. Um, it's it, the characters are going to be going on an adventure together. So we will actually get Ray and Finn and Poe yes. spending some time together as a unit. Um, and of course, uh, Rose and um, BB-8 and, and BB-8's new mate, uh, Dio, and uh, Chewbacca and, you know, the whole gang. Lando Carizian's back and... Is Lando fucking Carizian? What do you want? That, the shot of him in the cockpit just having a big old cheer did get me. Yeah. I was, I was um, on, on a break... And I but also, the trailer, when he was, and that shot like, made me go, "Yay!" audibly. Billy D. Williams on the panel just chatting about and being charming as fuck. <laughs> I think someone asked him, like, "What you know?" Was it? Was it well, I think one of the questions Colbert asked him was, "You know, was did he, did you have to take some time to find Lando again?" And Billy D. just like, "Hey." Lando never left. <laughs> it's just, oh, you're so cool. You, even though you are so old. Oh, he's old balls. Um, like he's he 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 flits he flits between that realm of uh, existence where you go, oh, I feel really sorry for him. He seems really kind of in a bad spot. A lot of times when you see him, and then or, he, and then he speaks, and you go, God damn it, Billy D. God damn it, so cool. <laughs> um, but he's got a cane, so he looks cool as fuck. He does. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they've talked about that they're going to reuse a bunch of uh, use a bunch of unused footage from Force Awakens that they've been able to integrate into this to give Leia a proper role. Yes, which even um, though Carrie Fisher is sadly no longer with us, because of course, at the Last Jedi, there isn't really any scenes with Leia beyond uh, her goodbye with Luke. Like she's there, but they don't. Yeah. She doesn't really speak with Rey or whatnot for a prolonged period and such. So it's. So, it's like there was clearly stuffed from toward the end of that movie that they didn't use and now have the chance to yeah, integrate. So that'll um, be interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like a Star Wars movie. Of course, the big surprise from the trailer and the panel with a surprise guest is that in some form, at least Palpatine is back. Nothing ever really stays dead. Um, yeah, no, no one's ever really gone. That's it. Is the line in the trailer, oh. and then there's the laugh. Yeah, all new Luke dialogue, by the way. Yeah, yeah, because so, that was the thing. Know. That was the thing with um, Force Awakens, wasn't it? The last trailer for Force Awakens yeah. was Luke voiceover, but it was all voiceover from Jedi. Yeah, and they got Mark Hamill in to re-record a few words so that it sounded a little different. Yes, and then of course he didn't um, say a damn thing in the film. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but this is all new Luke dialogue. So, you know, we know Mark Hamill's in this, so he's either going to be popping up in flashback or as a force ghost slash force vision. So that's no surprise. Um, and, but then we get the Palpatine cackle and uh, then Ian McDiarmid comes out on stage uh, to rapturous applause. And says, roll it again. Roll it again. <laughs> Um, I can remember if I said play it again or roll it again. And then, roll it again and then the projector um, guy's like, oh, I mean, I've, I've put the other thing up now. And he's like, oh, oh whatever. Never mind. And then, they all, and then they all sit there in awkward silence for five minutes while the guy tries to find the file on his computer. And um, yeah. and uh, it just sort of went downhill from there, really. And Yeah, it was just a real mess. And, and Star Wars um, was cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Star Wars Episode Nine 
the rise of Skywalker. Palpatine's back in some in some form, probably because it looks like in the trailer again. This is speculation based on the the ba- the barest of evidence. It looks like that they're either at Endor or Yavin. Uh, it'll, well, it'll be um, uh, fucking it'll be Endor, won't it? Yendin, because because there's the wreckage of the Death Star. Yes, and I. Were were it me, writing the story as we as we always say, um, then I would be telling the story of uh, the the ghost of Palpatine, the spirit of Palpatine haunting. Oh, um, yes, the wreckage of the Death Star where he was killed because his his force presence is so strong that he's still tied to this world through. You know the 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 site of his death, and also we could also be getting those weird um, Operation Cinder droids from the Battlefront Two campaign, and also from the a couple of the novels. Where I don't know if you've seen this, um, what happened after his death was a bunch of droids oh, were sent out with instructions. Yeah, and they were like they were like red robed, like the Praetorian Guard. Yeah, and his face is projected a, yeah, onto the the face, onto the inside of the helmet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe we'll get that as well because that looks pretty freaking cool. It's a great um, visual. Like it would be, it would be daft to not yeah. capitalize on that, especially when you know it's part of the canon. Like, come on, give us some more palps. Give us some palps, some son. Some sweet ass palps. <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah. I just, I just love the fact that prequels and everything. People are just so excited still to see this actor in this role. Yeah. That yeah, it's yeah. really, it's really damn sweet. Like, hey, there are bad things about the prequels. Ian McDiarmid is not one of the bad things about the prequels. No, he's having a whale of a damn time like, with those things. Yeah, these characters might get some stupid shit to do, but not because of. Do it! Do it! Do it! <laughs> do it! Do it! Shit. Do it! Fuck it! I see you literally fucking face, like. Yes, I am jazzed for episode nine. But I was never not going to be jazzed for episode nine, so that doesn't come as a surprise. Um, but yeah, the Palpatine being back thing is uh, interesting. Uh, people are, of course, there are other people on the internet who are going, "Oh, J.J. Abrams is going to come in and, and fix everything that, that Ryan Johnson got wrong." But I do not think this is going to be like a fan service. Re- oh well, God, no. it's going to be fan service because it's fucking Star Wars. <laughs> but I don't think they're going to be retconning a bunch of shit from the Last Jedi to keep. A certain segment of the fandom happy. Oh God, no! I mean, um, there might there might be there might be some sto- there might be some story elements that JJ was like, I really wanted to do that. That he's he's able to weave in, and it might mean like not retconning, but a little bit of a little bit of backflipping to do. I wouldn't be surprised if he did that. If he if he had like, oh, in the last one, I'd love to do this, but that's waylaid it slightly. Okay, well, we'll do this in this one to get back to sort of that, and now I can do it. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was that, but he's definitely not. He's not going to fix Star Wars. Like, that's ridiculous. I didn't like The Last Jedi, for the, to remind those listening, but it's its its own thing, and it's a quality piece of work, and yeah. to shit on it would just be a disservice to the whole story. Like, accept it, and be it's part of the law. That's how it is. If you don't like it, do what I did. Don't buy it. <laughs> like, there you go. Yeah. Plain and simple. <laughs> but, you know, don't don't... 
shit all over the hard work that went into it just because you hope that JJ is going to do something different. It's like he he will yeah. his, he will tell his story in service of the two that came before it. Yeah. Um, and he might make I, he I, might make tweaks, but he will not he will not eradicate what happened in the between yeah. his films. There's no way he's going to do that. That'd be stupid. And, but I'm intrigued for it as well because both JJ Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy have turned around and said this is the end of the saga. Da, 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 da. So you know the Star Wars films we get in the future are not going to be part of this sort of Skywalker saga. Um, so, and when was the last time J.J. Abrams actually ended anything? <laughs> it's very true. Mind you, Lindelof's nowhere near this, so... Yeah, that's true. But J.J. Abrams is, is so guilty of the, the... Well, he's spoken about it at length, his, his idea of mystery box storytelling. Um, and Force Awakens was so much that, which is also what I think led to some of the disappointment of some sections of the fandom not getting the answers that they wanted because they'd froth themselves up into a frenzy about what everything meant. Um, so seeing Abrams actually take a narrative and put a definitive end on it is going to be interesting. Um, because I do like him as a filmmaker, but he doesn't... He doesn't finish things. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so I think it's going to be cool. Cool. I think it's going to be cool. 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 Um, Title, um, Rise of Skywalker. Do we? Uh, one of the common things that's been going around is what if Skywalker is no longer a surname but a title? So the the so Ray doesn't restart the Jedi Order. She creates a new order of Skywalkers. Yeah, she re- she rechristens it essentially, yeah. and it becomes a new thing. I'm game with that because that would be the perfect way to end that saga. Like it would be the complete loop for the, yeah. this, this child will bring balance to the force and yeah, eventually it's a long road and a lot of blood is shed and he makes some big mistakes as do his, you know, his, 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 um, his children. But yeah, like eventually it, it, it happens like, yeah, I'd, I'd be down it, for that. And it takes someone who isn't related to him <laughs> to sort of go, okay, this is what you were trying to do. Let's make it happen. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where they go with it, and just to see like the rise of Skywalker. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> um, and yeah, Palpatine back. Everyone on an adventure together. Death Star wreckage. More Rose. Poe Dameron uh, dressed Kel- as Drake from Drake's Fortune. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kelly Marie Tran got the biggest uh, cheer of anyone on the panel as well. Good. Like. Good. Except for maybe Ian McDiarmid when he came out after the trailer, but yeah, to be yeah, fair, that is a, that is a mic drop moment. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he didn't drop the mic; he just spoke into it in his in his palpatine voice. Uh, right, <laughs> so that's all yes. the news. Roll it again. <laughs> Roll it again. Oh, I dropped the mic. <laughs> oh, cock and balls, cock and balls. Um, <laughs> speaking about cock and balls. Oh my god. They so call we... it they call this the Middle Age the Dark Ages for good fucking reason. Uh, <laughs> so as you may know, yeah. although I I think most people have, have passed it by completely. Um, <laughs> Thank god. It's not it's not doing well. Uh the box office Hellboy. Uh, the twenty nineteen reboot of the uh comic book adaptation um based on the Dark Horse comics by Mike Mignola, um, has been released. The, the new version 
taking a clean break from the previous adaptation by Guillermo del Toro, starring Ron Perlman, uh, Selma Blair, Doug Jones, uh, et al. Um, this is a new version uh, directed by Neil Marshall and starring David Harbour as the titular demon man uh, with uh, Sasha Lane, Daniel Day Kim, Ian McShane, Millie Jovovich uh, and others beside. Um, and indeed betwixt. Now, as I noted in my video and as other people have noted in their reviews as well, the reason why this movie sucks, and it does suck. <laughs> yes, that's the polite way of suck. putting it. It's not because it isn't Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy 3. Like, the fact that that movie isn't happening is not the fault of anyone involved with this, and that's not why this is bad. It's bad because it's a fucking terrible movie. And not, not, I might add, because people weren't putting effort in. Oh, effort's been put in, yeah. The things I will say for this movie, Neil Marshall can direct the fuck out of horror. I will say David Harbour is does a mostly pretty damn good job of embodying Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some moments where he's fighting with the prosthetics in ways that he isn't in other moments. Yeah. It's very inconsistent. So I, mean, I think maybe there was some reshoots done. And also he's fighting with the editing and the script and the dubbing. The dubbing in this film is oh God, fucking shocking. Painful. Uh, um, there, uh, Ian McShane is being Ian McShane. Mili Jovovich is clearly having a whale of a fucking time, yeah. as is Stephen Graham, um, who comes out. I, th- I think comes out of this as the the least offensive and most enjoyable portrayal of anything. Stephen yes. Graham, in terms of the performances, yeah, his turn as Graugap, which I I don't think he did like motion capture or anything for it uh, because it was a practical on set effect. Most a practical on set effect that looked amazing when it was a practical on set effect. Yeah, and then looked dreadful every time it spoke, and it became a CGI monstrosity. Yeah, Graugak, by the way, is a, is a, is a giant pig man. Um, <laughs> that's not really a spoiler. If you've ever read a Hellboy comic, you've probably come across him. He's a fairly major character. Um, uh, yeah, th- th- there are some really, really cool practical effects, which are all then shit upon by some terrible CGI, and uh, bad compositing, shitty editing. Bad colour grading. Like, on a technical level, like, the actual putting together nuts and bolts of this film, not only is the script a mess, but the film is just shoddily assembled. Mm, oh, good and across all Across all um, aspects of it. Cinematography, editing, framing, compositing, effects, co- like, colour grading, sound mixing, uh, soundtrack, um, soundtrack choices, um... Like, just, on every level, this film is a mess. Yeah. And it's a real shame because it has, for as messy as the script is, it has some great ideas. Oh, some cool Um, ideas, for sure, absolutely. Neil Marshall can direct the fuck out of horror and action, because he's done it before, and he has a good eye for that stuff, but it's lost in translation here. And again, David Harbour's Hellboy could have been a really great version of that character, but it's just lost in this mire of shite. Um, the shite mire, if you will. So yeah, without without getting into spoilers just yet, we are going to. Um, it is, you know, Hellboy is an agent for the BPID, Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. He is a demon that was summoned forth by the Nazis at the end of World War II, but he's become um, a, a force for good under the tutelage of his of his adoptive father, Professor uh, Trevor uh, Broom. 
um, here played by Ian McShane. And in it, so in this film, he ends up in Britain as um, the the evil witch uh, Nimue the Blood Nimue! Queen from Arthurian legend has be is be, is in the process of being revived to uh, wreak havoc on the mortal world, and he's got a stopper basically. No disassemble, uh, film, Nimue. No disassemble. The film keeps forgetting that that's the plot. Yes, oh um, Christ, yes. <laughs> uh, so you'd be forgiven for um, wondering if you're sitting watching it going, wait, what, what, what's the story again? <laughs> Even though it's a, fa- it's a really simple, straightforward story, but they fuck it up so badly. Um, that's the story. It's poor. It's a piss poor movie on nearly every level. Don't, don't bother. But if you do bother, or did, unfortunately, uh, or, or did, yeah. if you do bother, and um, if you did, and you want to get into it, we are about to go into spoiler territory for Hellboy twenty nineteen. But in short, it sucks. Yeah, it's it's not and, good. And, and before, and I might add to that, it sucks, and I hate that it sucks because I really really wanted it to be good because I really love this character and I really love the previous adaptations and I really love so many of the people involved in this and I'm gutted absolutely gutted that it's turned out as poorly as it has so spoilers everyone dies everyone dies well, no, a bunch of people do die yeah. across London, but in a way in which is completely disconnected from the things that are actually happening in the plot. Even my dad pointed this out, because I went to see it with my dad, and he's got way more, he's way more forgiven of terrible movies than I am. We both enjoy terrible <laughs> yeah. movies, but he, he, um... We, we come out of a terrible. You come out of a terrible movie, and you, you'll go, oh, God, that was bad, and your dad's like, yeah. oh, it was great, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh, it was dreadful. So much fun. Uh, yes, like, oh, you know, yeah, give, give it credit. I mean, we had a good yeah, time, didn't we? we? And it's like, God we damn did. It. I, every time I'm at my dad's, I watch a shitty movie or something, um, or something that's like, oh, this probably looks crap. But we watched the Scorpion King a couple of weeks back. That's that's a terrible movie, but it's kind of fun, um, you know. But this isn't. This isn't. There's not much fun about this film. Oh no, it thinks there is. And at some point in the production, it may have been, but it has not come through in the final product. So you've got so in the climax of this film, you've got the stuff going on with Hellboy and Nimue at St Paul's Cathedral, and then across um, London, you've got all these demons coming up from hell and massacring people. And really, you know, visually interesting and sort of um, cool ways for the Gorehound in all of us. Um, who likes a bit of fantasy violence, but it just has no relation to what is actually going on. It's just something else that is going on in another corner of the world that has no bearing on the characters that we actually care about. Like, we don't see any of the characters that we know in peril from these events, so they're completely nebulous. Yeah. And they're kind of just for eye candy. Um, and th- this film's guilty of that all fucking over. So, let's go from the top, Christopher. Yeah. Let's go from the top. We've got yeah. this um, this horrendous prologue. Um, God. 
that that covers Arthurian legend that makes the, the pro fall. that makes the prologue of Transformers Five look oh. brilliant in comparison. Yeah. Um, also, I will add all the Arthurian stuff from the comics. Oh yeah, a good a good chunk of this is from I can't remember the name of the arc specifically, but it, a good chunk of this is from a run. Well, of the this book. is the problem. Yeah, this is the problem. Hellboy as a comic series isn't like other comic series in that, like your Spider-Man's or your Batman's or whatever. It's a sing- It's mostly a single series that's run for 50, 60, 70 years. Mm-hmm. Split up into, you know, smaller stories, but within a more, you know, a, a massively ongoing storyline that keeps getting reset and, and whatever because of time. But, you know, it's still one thing, essentially. So when you're adapting it, you don't really adapt... You might sort sort of half adapt a story from here or there, but what you're actually adapting is the setting and the characters. Hellboy is a series of sort of sort of self-contained, very episodic miniseries, like three issues, four issues, six issues here and there, uh, that do tell a larger narrative, which is now concluded. Um, I think, for the most part. Um, but they are, it is very episodic storytelling. So you could quite easily adapt one of those series. Yeah. Which is what basically what Guillermo del Toro did with Hellboy 1, is he sort of adapted like half of Seed of Destruction, which is the first uh, Hellboy miniseries, with his own twist on it. Yeah. This tries to adapt elements from about four different miniseries. Which all, you know, have a... They do have a continuity of plot within them, but the way that this combines all the elements just means it's a jumbled mess. And you've got things like Hellboy's um, ancestry as a... um, as the last descendant of King Arthur... Uh, the Baba Yaga, just the Baba Yaga, um, Nimue herself, um, uh, the, the Hellboy causing the apocalypse and refusing his destiny. All that jazz. That's 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 all taken from different stories and just sort of jammed together. So it doesn't really gel. Yeah, because um, it's so. The elements are so out of context and jammed together that they don't they don't work. The Wild Hunt, yeah, oh is, Christ, yeah. Again, like that's it's a concept which is just so skimmed over. Um, They've taken the ingredients just... of an amazing lasagna, a gorgeous um, gammon and egg dish, yeah, uh, uh, a, an egg. incredible chocolate black forest chocolate gato um, with ice cream. Uh, they've taken the garlic bread. They've taken the uh, you know the freaking prawn cocktail. They've taken all these wonderful separate things, and they've just gone in the middle yeah. and gone. It tastes it's great, like, right? It's like, no. it, abs- it, it absolutely is the case, as they were saying before. It was it was released that you know that this is a more faithful, um, both uh, in terms of the tone and the characters and plot elements that are used, adaptation of the material than Del Toro's, that doesn't make it better. Mm. As we've said so many times, the faithfulness of an adaptation is 
almost completely divorced from its quality as a work. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, an element of tone, the spirit of it, needs to be retained. But aside from that, do what you need to do to tell that story in that medium. Yeah. Um, um, don't necessarily they... just try it. Like, people always say, well, the MCU's great because it sticks close to the source material. It does in terms of the spirit of its characters and a lot of the visuals. But that's what I mean, like, yeah. when you are adapting a long-running comic, a long-running comics property, you can't, it's difficult to adapt individual stories. You kind of just have to adapt setting and characters and maybe some plot elements from the arc here and there. Mm. But you could quite easily adapt the 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 sort of self-contained Hellboy stories as they part as uh, although they do take part in a larger narrative into a singular uh, like a singular arc into a singular film because they are very much stories in and of themselves. Um, but they just, it feels like they just grabbed whatever they could and stuck as much of it in so they could turn around and say, oh, look, this is from the comics, this is from the comics, this is from the comics, this is from the comics. And it just doesn't, none of it works. None of it works. It's the feature-length uh, equivalent of that scene at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2 where that bloke walks past all of the tech. Yeah, basically. But it, it takes two hours. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, <laughs> pretty so much. We this, so we get this prologue um, about voiced the, by a harsher, more kind of militaristic version of Professor Broom. Yeah, Ian McShane. I, I like Ian McShane in this because um, he's Ian McShane. What are you going to do? Um, but also, like, he doesn't get a lot to do. Rumors are part of the trouble. So rumors are this this movie had a really troubled production. Mm, Neil Marshall's um, DOP, who he's worked with on everything, was fired. Fired. Uh, uh, claimed apparently by one of the producers, one of the sixteen producers. Yeah. So the, so the 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 main thing is that the main uh, thrust of it is that there were two producers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to look up. Um, who one of whom was was acting in in the stead of, of the other. Um this has all been denied by one of the Producers um, lawyers. Producers <laughs> lawyers, of course. Uh although others have, have um declined to comment. Um but that it's the the producers were so interfere so bent on interfering in the uh, in the project, that they basically took control of it away from Neil Marshall. Mm. Um, but one of the more part of one of the trouble production is that apparently David Harbour and uh, Neil McShane rewrote a lot of their scenes because they were so bad, and they still turned out like they turned out. Mm. So, what were they like to start with? Um, but yes, yeah, so it was Lawrence Gordon, producer, and Lloyd Levin. Uh, Lloyd Levin uh, apparently acting mostly on behalf of Lawrence Gordon and it's Lloyd Levin's attorney who has denied these allegations. God. Um, basically, they were trying to... They, I, they, I quote, they were trying to send a message to Marshall that despite being the film's director, Marshall was not in charge. And that was why they fired Sam Curdy, who is Marshall's regular cinematographer and he was replaced during shooting. They fired him um, to basically say, you're not the big boss. Even though the director wouldn't be going from that point of view, he'd be going from, yeah. just let me make my movie. Yeah. Uh, Lloyd Levin was getting involved in, uh, apparently getting involved in actor rehearsals and contradicting Marshall to the point when Harbour walked off the set 
because Marshall wanted more takes and he just refused because all the stuff being going on. Stuff was rewritten on the fly and apparently the tree that Nimue uh, is like linked to. Fucking hell. Um, apparently they got into an argument about that where Neil Marshall was like, yeah, it should be you know twisted and asymmetrical and then the producer was like, no, we want it symmetrical. So they, they were just doing it despite, essentially. It seems... It seems like that. Um, but again, this has all been denied by Levin's... Um, attorney. Which by is attorney. which is perfectly a perfectly normal way to deny rumours yeah. against... Fucking um, stupid, isn't it? Oh, my God. And no one else involved has, of course, commented. Like, Neil Marshall, David Harbour, they've not commented. Neil Marshall didn't um, show up to the premiere or do any press. Whoa, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Did not um, get involved. So, yeah, I, I mean... I think a lot of the problems with this movie can be attributed to its fucking troubled production. And it it was like, because it is such a mess. Oh God, yeah. So we we get our prologue, we get Hellboy in Mexico fighting a luchador vampire um, because that's the thing that happens in the comics. But they don't set it up with the gravitas that it has in the comics so it falls kind of flat. Um, (laughs) We get, we get, I actually thought the like the first half hour of this film, there's actually some pretty good stuff in it. Yeah, uh, the the first scene with Hellboy and Professor Broom is great. Uh, yeah, it, it's great. It's just them bouncing off each other and sort of establishes their kind of relationship. But we don't really get that again. In fact, their relationship later in the movie almost contradicts how it is in that scene. Yeah, it's, it's much spikier and, and he's much more resentful. And I suppose you could explain that by him being manipulated by Nimue, but it's... Again, the characterization is not done well enough for that to be clear if that's the case, or if it's just bad writing. Mm. Um, yeah, Hellboy gets invited on the Wild Hunt to take down giants, but it turns out the Wild Hunt are trying to kill him, um, and we get the flashback of his origin. Lots of fucking flashbacks in this movie. Mm. Like, way too many flashbacks. Flashbacks for things that are also then explained in detail by <laughs> I am the characters. Like, you don't need a flashback for it. You can just talk about it. Well, the flashback to his origin knocked me sick. So, what, because it was so similar to the Del Toro. Well, not just I mean, not just that, but like you know, if you're doing a flashback to an origin for a character that isn't the focus of the main story, but you just want to drop it in, like you just you know you want to drop that he came from. It looks like he came from hell. And we've seen yeah. it done in a previous movie, and it was done very well. Like the prologue, the opening sequence of the 2004 film. Is done really yeah. well, so you don't want to do the exact same thing. So, do it minimal, do it minimalize it, because yeah. we know that he's a big demon boy, <laughs> big he old horny demon, demon boy. You just we need to show him rising. He's a big old horny demon. So you just need to show flashes of the island off the coast. You, the thingy, the Nazis there. This that, the other boom, it goes wrong. Yeah. Do it in sepia tone or like yeah. you know, like old show, old film reel style. Look, broom, old, broom arrives. Like, style. Yeah, broom arrives and. This yeah. child crawls from the thing and he was meant to kill him. And you leave it at that. Instead, they go full on the comics, essentially do an entire short, abridged, less interesting remake yeah. of the prologue. of um, Repla- Replace the, the Torch of Liberty with uh, Lobster Johnson because, of course, the Torch of Liberty 
only appears in that first arc in Scene of Destruction when they do the origin mm. and doesn't appear again because he's actually a John Byrne character and they were going to do a shared universe but then decided not to so that's fine mm. but um, yeah they had to establish that, that oh there was a superhero here as well and it's so so, so already in that scene it's wait there's a, the superheroes yeah in this yeah. world um, and then they, add on top of that the but fact they only that put if the you, lobster if in you're from, because so they can go oh that's from the comics yeah if you're a fan of the original movie you're watching it going Oh, we're just going to throw away Clockwork Sand Zombie Dude. Yeah. Who gets a shot and then doesn't do anything. Um, like, oh, oh we just, there's Cronin. There's yeah, Ilsa. We're just going to throw there's... away Rasputin. We're going to yeah. sort of... Okay, I guess we're just throwing him away. Yeah. Um, is Lobster Johnson. Is It's like, wait, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? Yeah. It's and also, all over the, the BPRD in this movie have the, you know, the, the Fist of Doom logo... And yet, apparently, none of them know of that prophecy. Well, Broom does. Yeah, but why would he install... Surely Hellboy would have at some point gone, hang on, is that me? Is that my hand in our logo that's on all of our shit? Oh, no, it's not his hand. It's um, it's like it's holding a weapon. Yeah, it's right hand of Doom holding a sword, isn't it? Yeah, it's not the right hand of Doom. Ah, it's right, just okay. a hand holding a sword. Ah. It's not based on Hellboy's hand. But yeah, he does know of the prophecy. Oh, God. Um, But... And the fact that apparently till now he hasn't questioned how Broom has barely aged. Yeah. Like Hellboy's never questioned it. Even though Hellboy himself yeah, yeah. is in like his 60s, he's never questioned. Which they solve in all the adaptations by having Broom be fucking old. Yeah. I mean, Ian McShane's in his fucking 80s, so there you go. Although he doesn't look it. Um, and um, The power of wearing skinny jeans and not giving a fucking interviews, basically. Yeah, too true. <laughs> and, but also, you know, they kill Broom off really quick. Um, the origin in the original Del Toro movie, he gets killed off about halfway through the film. Yeah, during Act Two. In the original Seed of Destruction comic, he's killed off in the first issue, mm. and he only really appears in flashback or in short stories that are set before Seed of Destruction. Um, so he's not as prominent as a character as everyone seems to think he needs to be. Mm. Although I think I think I think I think it feels like he needs to be more prominent just because Del Toro's one has such an interesting setup well, for yeah, their relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That you think, um, oh, it's a shame that he's not here anymore because I'd like to see more of these characters interacting. Well, yeah. Uh, so, which this film gives you in that brief, um, yeah, you get that brief sh- shaving unquote scene. Yeah. Which I think is prop. That's probably the scene that they rewrote. Probably because it's the only because one with any humanity. Feels in like it. a characterful dialogue scene with two people interacting as opposed to this is the plot and this is what's happened up to now and this is what's going to happen next and also here's a little bit of backstory that we've already shown in flashback like that is nearly every ducking dialogue exchange in this movie Mm. it's not dialogue it's just exposition basil Um, exposition and And, and so much of it is (laughs) so much of it is delivered by daniel day kim's uh, ben Damio and Sasha Lane's Alice Monaghan, who are both Americans doing terrible <laughs> British accents. Committing crimes against Just the UK. Fucking awful British accents. Um, Miliovich's British accent, I think, is fine because it's moustache twirly, basically. Yeah, she um, she's not amazing with her vocals in this, but she gets away with it. Yeah, because she's going for a cartoony performance. Am I right in saying that it's Daniel Day Kim? Yeah. Am I right in saying that was the role originally given to Ed Skeen, who then Ed Skeen, yes. when he found out the character in full, turned yeah. down? 
Cause, yes. yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Cause, because he was a white person being cast as um, uh, a character with Asian heritage. Yeah, so he, he, but he wasn't told that when it was pitched to him. And then no. he started doing the research and went, hang on. And he confronted him. He took one look online, saw that fans were like, yeah, this is bad. And he went, yeah, they're fucking right. And he turned around and he went, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm stepping down from it. And we all immediately went, you know what? You're all right, Ed Skeen. Um, You're all right. You're all right. Um, Francis! Yeah. But it's just... But, it's, not, it's not even like Daniel Day Kim and, and Sasha Lane are doing bad performances. It's well, just the voices. It, it, well, it's, it's, more ah. that, it's more that everything they're given to work with is dreadful, and it's made more dreadful by the fact that they are not very good at speaking the lines because of no. their accents. No, and I just don't understand why you would... I don't understand. There's got to be. There's got to be a... Better casting um, choice for these roles out there. Yes, absolutely. There's got to be a, there's got to be a British actor with uh, Asian heritage who could play D- Damien. Neil Marshall There's got to be... <laughs> Neil Marshall could have been like, right, guys, can we take that again? Um, can you not say arse? Or whatever well, it was. you know what? You know what happens clearly. Clearly, what happened is they tried to fix a lot of it in the dub. <gasps> oh, which makes it even worse because that means they had two chances to make and, them sound and, good. Because look at how much of the dialogue in this movie is dubbed. So much. Oh, guys, look at how much guys, of the dialogue in this movie is so dubbed. So much of the dialogue in this, ladies Badly. and gents, is is ADR'd and ADR'd dreadfully. Oh, yeah. But even like the way it's inserted, like it's ADR'd when the character is off screen or has their back to the camera. And you're like, oh, fuck me sideways. This is a mess. And that doesn't become obvious until it's during the... um, Not until during the Wild Hunt sequence is when it starts happening a lot. Yeah, oh, God. Like the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie aren't too bad. But after that, the the first time I really started to notice it is during the giant fight. Which has some really interesting action beats, but is spoiled by bad dubbing, really terrible choice of music, bad mix, bad sound mixing, and really bad compositing. God, it's so. Right. It's just so. Matt, I had I had limited time off during this Easter season, and, and you and... had to spend two hours of it watching <laughs> Hellboy. <laughs> I could have gone and seen us again. I know, right? <laughs> No, we had to see. You had to see Hellboy. Oh God! I, I wanted it to be good. Like when the when the when the reviews started coming out, and they were like, "Oh, it's not great." I was like, oh, "Okay." And then more reviews started coming out that weren't just like, "Oh, it's not great." They were like, "This is actually terrible." And I was like, "Oh, I'm stealing myself for it." And then I went into the cinema, being like, "I really hope they're hyperbolic, sort of yeah, hi- hyperbolic." And for the first thirty minutes, I was like. This is, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse <laughs> as it goes on. Um, so you get the wild hunt fights and the giant fight sequence, which you get. And that's where it starts to fall apart. That's where the cracks sh- start to show in the production. Um, and actually, I after that, I can't actually remember the order that things happening. Because it's <laughs> so all over the place. Um, I know there's a Baba Yaga sequence, which oh jeez, oh let's let's talk about incredibly out of place. Let's talk about the first appearance of Baba Yaga along with uh, Piggy Boy, um, uh, Growback, Growback, 
Graugach. Graugach. Uh, G-R-U-A-G-A-C-H. Graugach. Graugach. I think it's Graugach. The first appearance of those two is literally a, I have been beaten by Hellboy. Well, I've been beaten by Hellboy. You fucking should kill him. Yes, we will get to him and we will do this to kill Hellboy. You're like, who are these fuckers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where have they come from? Who are Again, they? They put them in there because they're from the comics. If you've read the comics, you'll know who they are. But they don't do any of the work to establish who they are outside of for people who haven't read the comics. I mean, we get a, no we get way... a Graugach flashback that ultimately yeah. implies that his bent for revenge that's been going on for twenty years is kind of pathetic. Yeah, it is. Like but really also... pathetic, and not in a way where you go, "Well, this character seems like a petty character." It's like, no, seriously, dude, why why are you after Hellboy? He disrupted you once. Oh, because, like, my kind wouldn't accept me anymore. You're all little shrimpy pig things. I'm pretty sure you'll be fine. You change shape, for Christ's sake. But again, that's because they d- distilled his story from the comics so much yeah. that they didn't get all of it in there. And again, but like that's um, leaning into the fantasy thing, so that's leaning more into that, you know, Golden yeah. Army-style fantasy comic book. But then the film is like, oh no, the superheroes. Oh, and this is also Men in Black. But uh, like the world knows about the the BPRD sort of, so we're yes. kind of Shield. But at the same which time, again, Hellboy's the best we have, which is weird because every single fight scene, and tell me if I'm wrong, Matt, every single fight scene, bar one, ends with, well, is entirely Hellboy gets smashed, then he gets up, then he gets smashed, then he gets up, yeah. then he fights a bit. Then he gets smashed. And then he does one thing that sort of wins the fight. And then he gets either knocked out or incapacitated. That's every fight scene in the film. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you. He's a shit agent. He is a shit field agent for this supernatural army thing. He's He's terrible. He's their their muscle, basically. But but what shit muscle? (laughs) Again, well, yeah, again. This is a case of them bringing in too many elements from the comics and not doing enough work to establish them. In the universe of Hellboy, in the comics, there aren't superheroes per se, but there was a real masked vigilante in the 30s called the Lobster, who then went on to inspire a bunch of crappy pulp serials and movies, and but also <laughs> continue, he continued to exist as a ghost after his death. Yeah. And uh, Hellboy kind of idolises him. Yeah. Um... The the BPRD is public knowledge, as is Hellboy. There is no masquerade. But again, they don't, in the film, they don't take the time to explain that and also examine the implications of what that actually means. So, like, oh, the public, gosh. like, but the, 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 the accepted knowledge that, the, the, that weird stuff happens in this world, and the world's mostly the same, but people are kind of aware that things are a bit weird, and there's a sort of a cult undercurrent to everything that that's something that it just feels right in the world of the comics but doesn't work in this movie because they don't do the work to establish that um hellboy gets the shit kicked out of him frequently mm. but he is the muscle and the reason he gets the shit kicked out of him frequently is because they always send him up against the really tough shit yeah <laughs> and he's always out of his depth um so but that but the fact is he can take so much punishment, um, which they do do some of in this. Mm. It's like when the, the when the wild hunt are fucking stabbing the shit out of him. He then manages to get up, dust himself off, and take out three giants. Yeah, but 
we don't really see enough of a, of a fight again. There's never a moment be... in the movie where he does something that makes you go, oh shit, he's cool. Like, he never really does anything in an action set piece that makes you go, he's cool as fuck. It's, I mean, there, it's oh, he's, oh some... he's managed to do that. He's turned the tide at the last second. Oh, he just got away with it. Oh, thank I God. Know, I, think, oh, I think there is some of that in the giant fight. Well, I know. But, maybe, um, maybe, yeah, when, I maybe think... when he swings it around and cuts the leg off, but... But everything else just sort of feels like, a, oh shit, what should I do? What should I do? Uh, and again, I get, yeah. I get it. Like he's he is there, he, he's there. You know, part of the charm of that character, like you said, is is that he's usually out of his depth because he's relied on to be the one to deal with that shit. Yeah. But I think again, the Guillermo versions and the animated films do a much better job at that because they sort oh, they, his, his attitude absolutely. is his attitude is so much more blasé. In those ones, yeah. and, and and he also, you know, regularly is like, oh crap! Like you just sort of get more yeah. of a sense of, here we go again. And uh, but then he still has those moments where it's like, oh, you're good. Like the entire bit with the um the plant creature in number two, where he's yeah. scaling the building trying to take it out whilst protecting the baby, is just sort of like he's he's dealing with it yeah. and he's totally screwed if he gets one step out of line. But it's still cool because it's like, dude just saved a baby. <laughs> like this is awesome. Yeah. But and, and again, in in the in the comics, what you get is that yeah, he's a lousy shot, but he's that's why he uses quite, massive bullets. Yeah, <laughs> to but try he's quite, over the ground. Yeah, <laughs> but he's quite he's he's quite a skilled hand to hand fire, and he's naturally quite gifted with a sword. Oh my god, Lucy pointed this out because she said, he's a did you descendant know, of King Arthur. Yeah, Lucy pointed this out. She said, "Did you notice he barely used his bloody fist?" Yeah, I, I think he hit, I think he hits someone like twice, and one of those times is freaking his partner in the epilogue in the face yeah which oh, which we'll would which would have which i don't care if you're a jaguar person it would have shattered his skull yes so oh yes. god um it is a 2017 film oh right are oh, you talking about the oh, boy uh <laughs> it is I, I don't know i don't i get like after that after you get alice and damio everything just kind of into oh Jesus! Mess. Like, oh, you want what you need is a proper English breakfast. How do you take your egg scrambled? I uh, make you a cup of tea. It'll be a jolly good time. What is wrong with you? What yeah, is wrong bad. with you? It's why bad. are you in this role? I'm sorry. Why the fuck are you in this role? Yeah. This is this is which which Guy Ritchie film was it that Brad Pitt rocks up in as an Irish traveller? Oh, um, Snatch. Yeah, and you watch it and you go, Why did I ever like this guy? This is awful. <laughs> and then you watch him in other stuff and you go, no, actually, he's great. But like, he's so wrong for that role. So yeah. wrong for that role. This was two people who were so wrong for that role. And I wonder if that same complaint... I'd love to read some reviews from the US uh, reviewers um, uh, for Hellboy. Because I'd love to see if it's been picked on, picked up on as much overseas. I believe it has. Oh, good. 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 Because yeah. it shouldn't be tolerated. Um... It's, it's, it's like the episode sure. of Friends where they've got that, that, that mate of theirs who she pretends to be British and she says, oh, I feel like a complete arse. And it's like, oh, arse. oh, God. Yeah, it's, it's just, oh. It's piss poor. Oh, good um, Lord. And then, yeah, and it just, it's just things, it's just silly things like I don't know things who, happen I don't know without... who Hellboy is in this. No. Uh, he's a demon baby that Broom took in and obviously decide he, he did, everything Broom says is essentially based on what we see of them beyond that first scene with them together. Yeah, everything he did, he did because he wanted Hellboy to be on their side. That's it. It is yeah. purely that selfish. But the film tries to pretend that it's deeper than that 
but it isn't because no evidence suggests that he is a person with a personality no. or his dad is a person with a personality beyond the mission nothing they try suggests and give him quirks, that but only in that um, only in those first couple of scenes oh yeah i mean oh look he's getting drunk okay yeah. uh where's the cats where's the baby ruth you know what i mean like where's where, where's the relationships at work with colleagues that we see to see what his life is like. Um, the, the thing what does he do to unwind? People... Like, what does he do to, 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 you know, be himself? Does he have to stay in hiding or are there special places he's allowed? Like, do you know what I mean? Which shows some thing, of that. The thing that I always point people to when... You have to, he's fighting between, Hellboy. he's fighting between his humanity and his demon self. Uh, well, yeah. I, he's all demon then in this version because he barely does always, human. The thing that I always point people to yeah, when I'm talking about Hellboy comics, in, to sort of give them an idea of the tone of the series, is there's a, a two-page story um, called Pancakes, <laughs> written and drawn, written and drawn by Mike Mignola. And I like it, it already. Is, <laughs> and it is a it's a flashback to when Hellboy was a little boy growing up on a Area Fifty One. Uh, he's growing up in Area Fifty One with the nascent BPRD. Um, and he's being given breakfast by the general who's, who's running the place. And he's like, I want noodles. I want hot noodles. He's like, no, you're having pancakes. I don't like pancakes. They're disgusting. I don't want them. Um, but it's just, just he's done in this so such I, I can't do it justice just by describing it, but no, I'm just no. get the thing of it. Just, it's a two page, it's a two page, um, comic. Look it up. Um, and then he eats the pancake and decides that he loves him. And then it cuts to hell, and it's several of the, the dukes and lords of hell lamenting that the boy has eaten the pancake. He will never come back to us now. <laughs> Truly, it is our darkest hour. <laughs> and that is, you know, that sums up Hellboy's character. That's and also the tone of the series as a whole in two pages. Yeah. Um, that is wonderful. And it's that kind of thing that is lacking from this so much. Mm, it, it, yeah. they, they brought in, they've brought in elements and plot elements and and, and visual uh, signifiers from the comics, but none of the tone and heart of it, which is what makes Hellboy so compelling as as a property. And it just doesn't have anything of it in the film. It's like they they bring Baba Yaga in so they can because Baba Yaga is a fairly major player in the comics and. But then they don't really use her for anything. She just—they have a big extended sequence with her in the middle of the film, which doesn't go anywhere. Where she eats? Right, oh god! Right. Okay. So where she, she's clearly seen eating and devouring children, and he leaves her alive. And he leaves her alive. But it's like she's seen devouring children in a in a in a shot that is obviously meant to be dark when he's looking over his shoulder and that horrible dawning realization. But at the same time. I was like, oh, they're about to establish that she's working with, what's his name? Graug. Graugak. Graugak. They're about to establish that they're working together and this is going to unweave the web a little. Like, he's not going to make a bargain with her to try and get information. He's going to beat it out of her because he's like, I know you know what's going on. Do you know what I mean? But no. No. Nothing. They don't even make a reference to, like, how's he... Because it's almost like it was implying that she's getting hold of children even though she's in her exile. Because of Graugak, he's doing it for her. You know what I mean? It's part of yeah. this plan. But they don't they don't say that. They sort of the shot implies it and then they move on. It's like but if you've 
if you've read the comics, you'll have an idea that that's what's happening. But it's so bastardized. Oh that God! It's done. It's done to pay lip service to the source material, not. To actually adapt the source material. Oh, speaking of, if they're trying to score brownie points, yeah, with the with nerds, the people yeah. who like the comics, but all the, but then it's not doesn't work because they don't do it in context. Can we speaking of lip service? Can we talk about Graugak's terrible fucking CGI? Yeah, we can. Um, there's a lot of terrible CGI. Oh, there's so there. much. Oh, good and lord, there's so much. I I was having Mummy Returns flashbacks. There and this movie is nowhere near as entertaining as Mummy Returns. Yes, so it doesn't even have that to fall back on. Mummy Returns has some terrible CGI in it, but at least it's fun. It's a, it's a great entertaining time at the cinema. This was yeah. my first bus ride. Like it is, it is wonderful. <laughs> but but it is just oh good right. So Graugak, um as a practical suit, as seen in onset images and teaser images before the film came out, and as seen in wide shots in this. Yeah, is a glorious piece of, of design. Really good, a wonderful really good. bit As of is... subtle puppetry and and big prosthetics and costume work. It's great. As is, I will also argue the Baba Yaga. Oh yeah, Baba Yaga. She looks fantastic. Saggy tits and all. She looks but... fantastic. But then Graugak speaks, and every time he speaks, it cuts to a close up of him. Or he's in frame slightly, intruding frame slightly. And it's a CGI head that has whose neck movement is so different from oh, yeah. the onset version. There is an awful lot of floating heads on CGI or CGI floating heads on things in this film, and none of it is good. It's so strange. It's so like how do you match it so badly? Well, by the same on on the same level, you've also got the effect that is used when Alice summons the dead. Oh god, which looks amazing for the first three seconds when you go, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Oh, and then, well, then the when people they use appear. it for an extended dialogue sequence, which is supposed to have like emotional impact mm. towards the end of the film, it just it just doesn't work. It kills the moment completely. Mm. Especially Ian McShane acting his fucking socks off but he's got it's just his head superimposed onto this naked slimy half torso thing that doesn't look like it's in the same universe as anything else let alone in the same fucking room god and the fact the um, fact that both his and sophie okanado's ones like their their size and mass changes between yeah. shots so not even like oh this thing sort of like expands and contracts and and is you know is ever sort of undulating or anything between shots its size changes yeah and i and i get that they wanted like an interesting gross visual for someone in the dead but like you didn't you had to think about the practicalities of how it's going to be used mm. Even if you had all the fucking money in the world, even if you had MCU money, it would be difficult to make that effect look good for a long dialogue scene. Yeah. But when you have a $50 million budget, no fucking way. I mean, buy, in, not doable. buy into the absurdity and go more um, grotesque with it and, and do yeah. it that way. Like, and I, I almost hate to keep bringing up the comparison because it just makes me wish I'd watched it instead. The 2004 Guillermo del Toro film Hellboy. They have a, a the head, the top end of a corpse as a guy yeah, in the cage. And they know that but, they know that it could look ridiculous. So they go, do you know what then? Let's make it a bit more cartoony. Let's make it a little more yeah. stylized. 
Because and as a result, it's one of the most memorable visuals in that first movie. But also because it for the right the way that it's used and shot with, they having it carried by Hellboy allows them to integrate the animatronics into the costume and yeah. help shoot it better. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Which, but this is just bad CGI around a Ian McShane face oh, and a god. Sophia Canaro face, obviously in the early. Again, Sophia Canaro, a great actress who is criminally underused in this. Brought in again as I believe um, a comic book character from the run and just sort of shunted to one side. And Well, she again, she's not a particularly major character in the comics. She's the medium that's there when mm. um, Hellboy is, is born. But like she could be but, the gateway to him learning more about why he's meant to be here. But she's and just a flashback exposition she's machine. A flashback exposition machine, floating corpse and temporary antagonist for a scene, essentially. It's, li- it's literally all she does mm. is come on Give you the exposition of um, Hellboy's uh, origin. Then she's killed off screen and then resurrected from the dead to give you a bit more exposition. Yeah. That is all they do with her. Good my God. Fuck me sideways. Um, all the joy that could be in this movie. Um, like things like the giant fight when it's not being ruined by shit CGI. Things like. Um, the luchador fight sequence, things like the relationship between Ian McShane and, and David Harbour in that first um, Hellboy broom scene. All the things that you might get pleasure out of in this um, are completely ruined, trampled flat by all the shit in it. Mm. Oh Christ. Like, it just... Like the King Arthur thing is a big thing for Hellboy, and an interesting and an interesting story to tell, but not yeah, not in this way, not in a rushed no, bit because of it's you know. so sort of papered over. And I saw, again, I saw him, but definitely was like, "What? What?" Because it just comes out of nowhere; it isn't properly addressed, and then it's like he turns down Excalibur. But then Excalibur just happens to be beneath St. Paul's Cathedral, which is where the climax takes place. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, so even though it should, be, even though it should sequence... be around, like, freaking Cornwall or whatever. And, yeah. and let us then reiterate that um, apparently you can get from a coastal town, like, in Devon yeah. to London in 20 minutes, apparently. Yeah, apparently so. Apparently. But again, like, in... Neil Marshall's British, what the fuck? Well, the thing, well like, also, it being a coincidence, like, contrived coincidences happen in... in in narratives, yeah, oh think. yeah, but, but even then, if it's like, in service it, of, of the pacing of the story, then fair enough. Yeah, but the problem the problem is then that all that that entire Merlin sequence is completely ex- it, like redundant because he ends up having to take the sword anyway, and the only real purpose it serves is um, to have that flash forward of a possible future. Which gives him cool stuff to put in the trailers. That's the only purpose it serves. Because if you were being savvy, you could just take, you could cut the King Arthur reveal stuff there, um, and have, you know, Alex be treated by, you know, a fucking medic, maybe a a BPID medic trained in some sort of occult medicine, like a fucking, you know, like a like a, an organization like like that might. Have I don't know if there was any sort of world building in uh, actually done in this film, 
And then you would have the reveal of Excalibur in the St. Paul's fight and have Nimue reveal that, that or realise that, that Hellboy is the last descendant of Arthur and that he can take the sword, but then don't have him take the sword and start the apocalypse, have him take the sword and kill her. Because that was the other you thing too, I mean? like she didn't need him for her plan to her plan to destroy all sort of human life to be carried out. She didn't need him. No, she wanted she him. She wanted him. For the only reason being because the plot dictated that she didn't wanted him. Yeah. It's never it's never really properly established why she wants him because when he becomes a de- like uh, becomes the demon version of himself, he just seems to become a mindless beast. Yeah. So it's not something that she can control or reason with, really. So it's just why bother? Oh, because the plot said so. It's so, it's also just the idea that they clearly wanted to start a franchise, yet opened with his prophecy story. Yeah. Like so, the big one has been done. Like it's over. But they also because I, I know do... I know the two thousand four one touches on that, but it's it's more using his power to help push well, Rasputin's plan forward. But it's also um, because. They have like Hellboy is still an instrument to Rasputin. Not it's not well, Hellboy's destiny well, outright here. Well, well, yeah, but also presumably because they have omitted the um, the not what because they probably didn't want to ape the two thousand four version so much. They've omitted the um, Lovecraftian Ogdru Jihad yeah part of the backstory, which is way more Mike Mignola really in terms of the visuals. Well, that's that is from the comics, yeah. like. It's not a uh, sort of. It's not so much a sort of biblical um, hell on earth apocalypse, although it is partly that. It is also the Ogdru Jihad being released and bringing the apocalypse that way. That is kind of the end game for the apocalypse that Hellboy will cause. So um, the fact that they don't do that means that. You don't understand the stakes. Yeah. Oh God. And it's and it doesn't really mean anything because you're not not doing. It's you never establish what exactly is going to happen, and it just makes it feel pointless and a bit yeah. generic. Yeah, that's I. So it, I think that's a pretty good review of the film outright, to be honest. Pointless and a bit generic. Yeah, just. Uh, a bit like this podcast. Yeah, I I don't have anything more to say about Hellboy except go and read the collections. Go read some Hellboy, guys. I mean, yeah. I just and and again, you can get the entire Hellboy story in four trades: two short story collections and four omnibus editions that collect all the miniseries. Like it, they're really great. Go and read those. It seems like a redundant comment at this point, but like, if you want to watch something with Hellboy in it that's good, two thousand and four, two thousand four and two thousand eight, man, and and then and if you want a bit more, go get the animated ones that follow on from those films and watch them. Um, can we talk about the post credits and pre post credits stingers? I didn't stick around for the last one. There wasn't a very post credit one, but it was the the, the last the last thing was the Lobster Johnson scene. Did you see oh, that? Oh right, yeah, yeah, that that I saw. Yeah, again, 
completely pointless. Yeah, really dumb pointless. Like, so he's basically sat on Broom's grave getting drunk. Yeah. And then Lobster Johnson appears, and you're just like, wait, are they trying to tell us that Thomas Hayden Church has stayed looking the same for 70 years? What's going on? But no, it's a ghost. I mean, I love, Thomas, I love the idea of Thomas Hayden Church as Lobster Johnson. Yeah, oh, great. Again, no great casting, but it doesn't it doesn't need to exist here. No, um, there's no place in this film. So, so Lobster Johnson rocks up, basically gives him a pep talk and to not be a crybaby whilst he's drunk as fuck. And then walks through the grave and he's like, oh my god, you're a ghost, I'm such a big fan. And that's it. You're like, what? Yeah. There was no the, there was no previous mention in the film no. that Hellboy even knew what lobster, the lobster was. Never mind was a fan of him. Fortunately, the famous Nazi hunter Lobster Johnson appeared. Um, oh god. And then, pre the credits, sort of oh, the, the, the yeah, epilogue in the film was... itself... Fucking awful. Shows the BPRD, or at least these three fuckers, um, on mission. Alice still. is now a fully, uh, fully trained BPRD field agent with her own sort of BPRD branded knuckle duster. Because as we discovered during the course of this film, she can, I guess, punch things souls out of them but they never establish what exactly it is that she's doing God. or how it works and or for that matter and... puma Catboy, who in the finale of the film physically undresses himself which i actually yeah. where's, where's that sounds when he started doing that i was like that's actually brilliant you don't see yeah. that in films when people transform no one does it no one goes right i know what's gonna happen i'm getting my kit off and then i'll get changed when i change back like yeah. So I was like, that's kind of cool. And then in the epilogue, he transforms and then transforms back into his clothes. Yeah. So it's like, well done, movie. You fucked up again. Um, Unstable molecules. Oh, good Lord. All right, Reed. Um, and then, and then of and, course, we get, yeah. They, they, so the operation would, would you, would you, consists of... Well, that's it. You don't see what they're doing. They're just punching dudes in Yeah, they just in come into suits. a secret lab and murder everyone. And then they find oh, she, eight. They find it in a way where it's like they didn't expect it to be there. She goes, yeah. what's uh, the fearless uh, sapien? And then webbed hand. hand on the glass and then we cut to credits. And again, it, just... it was this film relying on the, po- on the pub- general public's knowledge for this bit of the previous films to be like, oh, it's the fish guy. And for comic fans, obviously, it's it's about as effective and as classy, i.e. not at all, as the fucking carnage bit in the Venom credits. Like, it's pointless, and it's... It's all sequel bait. There's so hmm. much sequel bait in this film. And I I would imagine that's also part of the alleged producer oh, interference, because you know Lawrence Gordon and Lloyd Levine, if the producers as they are, will have been going, okay, so... Comic book movie universe is a big right now. <laughs> and Hellboy is absolutely one of those. Like the Hellboy series did spawn a wider um sort of story of the BPRD and their exploits. No, the, the BPRD have had their own season, the series as well, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, several of their own series. Uh, Abe Sapien has had his own solo adventures and um there's been some Lobster Johnson stuff set in the uh, like sort of pre-war era, um, uh, oh, there's, I think I think this is what it's it. BPRD, Sir Edward Grey, Rich, Witchfinder, Lobster Johnson, Abe Sapien, they've all been, um, 
like sort of their own sort of story spin-offs. BPRD obviously most prominently featuring Abe Sapien, Liz Sherman, uh, Johan Kraus, mm. uh, Roger the Homunculus, yeah, <laughs> uh, Ben da- Ben Damio, and um, and Professor Kate Moore Morgan. I can't remember her name, um, but yeah, BPRD, but not without like stuff that they do when Hellboy's not around and things. Because actually Hellboy doesn't spend that long in the comics as part of the BPRD. Yeah. Like, when this, when a lot of the stuff that's in this film happens in the comics, he's already left the BPRD and has been wandering the earth looking for his purpose because he's become disillusioned with everything. And he's actively trying to get away from his destiny. So... Again, they use stuff that people that's in the comics because people will be like, "Oh, that's in the comics," but they don't give it its proper context or setup, so it does just falls completely flat. And the, rather than actually adapting something, the saddest the saddest loss here is that this is going to put Hellboy back as a franchise for quite some time. Yeah, there is no chance in hell, ha, huh, boy, <laughs> that this is getting a sequel because no one's going to see it. It didn't do that well on its opening weekend, and word of mouth killed it almost immediately afterwards. Mm. Um, and it's a shame because I li- I would love to see more of David Harbour's Hellboy. I think it's a really good choice for the character and what he does here with it. I think he's you know within the restrictions of the shoddy production, really good. But no, they just piss it away. Absolutely piss it away. Piss away a great license and great source material. And, and great actors on a shitty, shitty, shitty movie. It's really bad. Don't buy a ticket, guys, if you haven't seen it and you just want to do the spoilers. Instead, spend that money. Go to HMV. They're currently doing um, a deal on Hellboy and Hellboy 2 The Golden Army on DVD and Blu-ray. The DVDs are two ninety nine with any other purchase and the Blu-rays are four ninety nine with any other purchase. Spend the money on that. Just do it. Just just watch those movies and forget this one exists. It's I guarantee awful. most people will have forgotten this exists in a week's time when Endgame comes out. The plague is spreading from London. Also, let's not mention the giant fucking bone monsters walking through the streets. That's well, no, that's the thing. Like, the giant bone monsters come up from hell and start killing people, starting with the guy walking across the street with his briefcase after... There's already been a plague in London, so... Oh, God. Like, Why are there people still around? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? To, to be sort of... Have their faces ripped off and be impaled by leg walkers and shit. It's, like, it's just like... Okay, so you just had a bunch of ideas for giant monsters killing people in in unusual, gory ways. That's great. Didn't need to be in this movie because it serves no purpose whatsoever. And is gone within seconds. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong cool visuals but they don't belong in this movie yeah because they would work well in another horror kind or even in a version of this movie where that stuff actually matters to the characters that we know rather than it just happening to random people on the other side of the fucking city but no 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 just whack it in there whack for the trailers for the, for the tra- it's all for the trailers the trailers though for the trailers for the trailers <sighs> take us home Chris oh must I yeah. I don't think we can go home again after this. Well, you're going to be back home next week, and we are going to be talking Avengers Endgame. Aye, as Matt said earlier in this episode, if you've been listening 
right now you've probably already seen Avengers or are about to see it in the next couple of days. So yeah, we'll have we... seen it by the time this is out. Oh so. yeah. So we want to know for next week, boys and girls, um, for episode one four nine of the Big Damn Cast. What did you think of Avengers Endgame? Send us your reviews, bigdamncontact at gmail.com. You can also hit us up in the usual spots at Big Damn Cast on Twitter. The Big Damn Stream is on twitch.tv. This young man is braving heavy rain right now. Oh, it's so fucking bad, Chris. It, do you know what? I have a, I have a soft spot for it, but it is not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. Awful. It's not the masterpiece it thinks it is. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, and I mean, oh, but look at all the realistic character motivations and and story choices cool yeah but why do the boobs look like they're carved out of marble and granite also why the boobs in the first place yeah why the shower scene can we have at least one what scene of a naked dude to balance this out so that it's not oh, obviously on the nose scene with ethan at the beginning but it's, again it's not about balance no well, why is this why is this woman whose name i don't you say know that. taking a shower you... and then getting immediately murdered oh but it's all a dream oh, oh and now you're not playing as her and you still don't know her, what her name is or who she is or what she does Spoiler alert, the killer is in all of us. Um, <laughs> oh um, god, yeah. the origami killer. Um, the origami, you fucking If you can't be asked learning origami though, do check out all the relevant stuffs we've mentioned. Drop us a review on Intunes, which is iTunes, pronounced wrong, if you fancy. Um, Intunes. Spread the word. If you love the Big Damn Cast and you think other people would like it too, let them know. We can only grow with your help, by Jiminy. At the minute, it's almost like you're all keeping us in a basement, tied by our ankles to the bedpost. Your help and black market hormones. That too. So. Speaking of which, we should probably go and um, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I need to go. I need to go juice. Oh God. <laughs> oh. I need to go squeeze and pump. But um. <laughs> God. Thank you for listening all. Thank you for braving Hellboy, Christopher. I know you had limited time. Oh, God. Can't wait till you get back and we can dig into Avengers Endgame because even if it's not good, it's at least going to be interesting. Um, (laughs) And Hellboy was neither. Uh, So, (laughs) see you next time, everybody. Goodbye, gentle listeners.